Electricast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week I have a new friend and a colleague. So I am really excited because we are operating in the same space. So I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. So this week I have Samantha Monpetit-Huin, who is a menopause, thank you, menopause and midlife coach. She helps women build strength, confidence, feel good in their clothes again, and helps them to know that this is not the end. This is actually only the beginning. So welcome to the show, Sam. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. And well done on my last name. (laughs) Thank you. We did, like full disclosure, we practiced before. I also had just watched the CBC short, so that helps because I yep. listened to them pronounce your name a couple of times, so I was ready. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, who are you and how did life introduce you to this version? Honestly, you say that to me, I'm like, Wow all the feels, I, my heart kind of gets, I get a little bit of anxiety, I get excitement, I get emotional. Um, so this version of me, you know, COVID did, which I feel like a lot of women who I work with did. Um, a little bit about me, I mean, I've been in the fitness industry going on 23 years. And if there's one thing that I think fitness people can say overall, like pretty general, if there's one thing we could control is the way, way our body looked right? Doesn't mean we were good mentally. That's for sure. Like if there's any, probably the highest degree of body dysmorphia is going to a fitness conference. I'll just tell you that. But um, that was the one thing I could control. And I had a hysterectomy 10 years ago and that definitely changed things, but it was, it was great. I no longer have a period. However, I didn't have a cycle to track. So during COVID um, I wasn't like most people. I I was your typical fitness person. I was very regimented in my exercise even more because I knew I didn't have a gym to go to. I was very regimented about my food, but I noticed that my weight was going up. My And, the, and I don't have a scale. So ever since I've had my daughters, um, no scales are allowed in my house. Um, God, women have enough shit with their bodies. They don't need to step on a scale too and be reminded that they're not good enough. Anyways, um, but I just noticed with my clothes and, and I was like, what is happening? And I guess, you know, because good old Mark Zuckerberg is listening to the conversations on my phone. I started getting started getting things on Facebook and this and that about menopause. And then I was like, menopause? Like, really? And so there's this one gentleman, his name is Dr. Jade Tita. So T-E-T-A on Instagram, who I started following. He's this big, burly, white guy with a goatee. He's bald. And you think, what the hell does he know about menopause? But he was the first one who opened my eyes about 
you know, women being very different. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I know it's because I'm a woman, but even like all the fitness information out there is all based on white straight men and we're clear and women are not small men. And so when he started talking about hormones and menopause, and that was really that lit this fire because I was like, holy shit, this is what's happening. But because I didn't have a cycle to track, remember, I haven't had a period in 10 years and thinking, okay, if I don't know this, because this is like basic information, then the layman doesn't know it. So I just started talking about it a lot and talking very loudly. And everybody's like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it was just like this big light bulb moment for everybody. And now we're seeing a lot more people talk about it. Um, but I'm very grateful for that. And that, you know, it was COVID and my body changing and also me being aware and not saying, oh, it's just because I'm sitting more and oh, it's just because of this. And oh, it's because of that. Now, yes, it could have been some of that. Um, Cause I certainly was, even though I was exercising, right. But I was sitting more in general because I wasn't, couldn't go anywhere. Right. Um, but that there was something different. And because I am so aware about my body, I knew that there had to be something that was going on. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Mm -hmm. I think you've hit on a lot of themes that I have experienced myself in, in my, in my world. I'm not sure I've had an episode yet where someone didn't say during COVID, I realized that. Mm whether it be emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, any of, or all of the above uh, that enters into the conversation every single time. And I think now, unbelievably, we're, we're four years out from March, 2020, right? Which is giving people now time. I think there's been some, there's been some time where he, we've taken some baby steps towards some healing um, Mm -hmm. or at at the very beginning, the reflection around what that time showed us Mm -hmm. and making choices around how we want to live now. And I think for many of us who are at that midlife space, it is, is this intersection of, Hmm, I don't want to keep living the way I had been living. Yeah. And and the clock is marching on and I have to make some decisions now. I, I have to make some active decisions to decide on what I want the rest of my life to look like. And I feel like one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is the work of Dr. Peter Atia mm-hmm. and the and the health span, right? And reverse engineering. What do I want the last 10 years of my life to look like? Yeah. And, and what has to be in place now to make exactly. that to make that possible. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you were seeing in your practice around that? Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's different people who I follow. Um, and that, you know, I, I, I think I take just bits and pieces from here and there. I really, um, but I, I guess what it really comes down to is that awareness. Like I say that to my clients all the time, right? It's like, didn't, I think the very first time I heard it was Deepak Chopra. And I did one of mm-hmm. his first meditation challenges before Oprah came on and took it over. And I don't know, personally, I think she ruined it. Um, and when, when it's just Deepak and it was just him being his, and I hate this word authentic stuff. I hate that because people have used it and abused it. Mm-hmm. But he talked about awareness. I was like, awareness? What do, you, what do you mean aware? And just the fact of being aware of what is happening to your body. Like, I feel like for me, menopause has been the catalyst of me actually waking up and going, oh shit, 
I can't keep doing this anymore because guess what? It really is affecting me now, right? Um, I remember taking one of my menopause courses and the, the, the instructor at the time said, um, menopause will amplify all the mistakes you've made leading up to it. And I was like, ooh, ooh. good. Yes. And it's true, yeah. right? Especially women with dieting. How many, how many diets have you done? Right. And this all or nothing and this extreme and this and this like if it if we don't get, you know, if we don't hustle and if we don't lose five pounds in the first week and all this other bullshit, all of that stuff does really come. And it's almost like it comes crashing all at once. And then we feel um, like what's the word? Um, oh, God, I can't even think this is my menopause brain. The words in my head, but it can't come out of my mouth right now. Sorry, listeners. But we feel. <laughs> defeated that's the word I'm looking for because we're working so hard and why is this thing not working like it used to be before and I say to people ladies literally you are physiologically different than you've ever been before so the idea that what works before is actually going to work now is a crockish shit Mm -hmm. right it doesn't it doesn't make sense but I understand but we've been so programmed and it did work for us for people can't see me, I'm using my fingers for air quotes in the past. But really, even if it did work, did it work? Because how can you gain the weight back? Or how can like, right? Like all of these things that it worked before. Yeah, then why are we having this conversation? So I really think for me, the things that I practice more is slowing the F down. Yes. Literally now saying, okay, um, and I'm a personal trainer by trade. And in the fitness industry, it was very much sold, even though they never said this directly, that the only reason you would exercise was for weight loss. You wouldn't do it to protect your heart. You wouldn't do it to protect your bone or your brain, all the other things that we need to like walk around as living beings. So who cares how much you weigh if you're dead, right? Um, and so now it's like really understanding and remembering that, okay, my body is bigger, but I don't want high blood pressure. And I want to protect my muscles and my joints and my bones. And I want to be able to still, even though I know it's not great, guys, like I can't really put two words together, but but think about how much worse it would be if I didn't exercise. Um, All of these things is that it really, and as a personal trainer, people will say, well, it's easy for you, Sam. Guess what? My body changed as well. And it was a lot. I still had to do a lot of work and I still am doing work. And I'm very open to people about that, that I'm not superhuman. So yes. I wouldn't be considered a plus size. Well, actually, as a model, if I was in the model industry, I'd totally be plus size. But, you know, generally, I don't know what it's like to live in a larger body. But I also understand how difficult it is to watch your body change and then go, okay, but wait a second, though. I'm actually going to stop working out and start starving myself and doing all these dangerous things because my body isn't the same size as it was a few years ago. Um, nope, not going to, because there's too much research to support, keep doing what I'm doing. Right. So again, yes. long answer to your small question. No, it's, <laughs> it was the perfect answer. And now we have 10,000 things to talk about. So <laughs> let's go. All right. So one of the, one, the first one I want to talk about is kind of the overarching idea of identity. Mm-hmm. And how you are showing up now. And the way that we have been conditioned really is to separate from our body. And I, I talk about this all the time. 
right? But we are taught to separate from our bodies, to live entirely in, in our brains, and to discount the experience of everything that is happening in our physicality. That's impossible. It's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. And when mm -hmm. we have been told over and over and over again that everything about our bodies is wrong. Yep. It's what happens, right? It's that trauma response. Also, we've had traumatic experiences, pretty much everybody over the course of our lives that have told us that this place is not safe and it's not comfortable to be in. Mm -hmm. So we've been living outside of it, disconnected from it and not listening to the signs and the signals. Yeah. And that, I f like you said, so when you said it was my, it was my body telling me to wake up, it's that, yes, wake up and return, like come home. Yeah. Come back in here, drop back in because there is so much resource happening in our body telling us what's, what is actually happening, yeah. what shifts and changes are occurring and what we need to do. Right. So yeah. it doesn't, like you said earlier, this is not the end. Like this is not the end of the story. And know. it's knowing how to listen to what your body is telling you. So the symptom is the message and then yeah. what we can do to make it better. Yeah. And honestly, what you said in the beginning about us being disconnected from our bodies, that sounds like every woman on a diet. Yes. Right. Counting yeah. macros, being obsessed with calories. And I'll say to people, I was like, whoever, even if your diet did, again, quote unquote, work, who enjoyed the process? And nobody says yes. Oh, you didn't like counting and measuring and depriving and, and saying, oh, I can't have that cake. And like, you didn't like that? You didn't like being weighed in front of strangers every week and being shamed like at a Weight Watchers yeah. meeting? You didn't like taking all these supplements and, you know, maybe taking something now like Ozempic is on the rise big time, yeah. you know? And I'm actually putting together a webinar with a doctor talking about that. You know, like, again, the brainwashing with this, with our generation, because you and I, we lived through the, the cabbage soup diet, the grapefruit yes. diet, the zone diet, the Atkins diet, the, um, oh, the low fat. Oh, I remember going to the States. Was that, I think it was in Florida somewhere, which again, wouldn't be shocking. Um, <laughs> and it, was, it, was, it was like early twenties or something. And I remember there was an aisle and at the top of the aisle, you know, it says, it tells you all the things, it's fat free. Mm. And I was like, oh. so I walked down that aisle. I bought all the things fat free and I mm -hmm. ate all the things. I probably went twice in that week because I ate all the food. Cause I figured it's like, it's like air. It's mm -hmm. like eat it. And, and it would, and, and that's how this is a generation of us that are going through menopause. This is the stuff we're trying to unlearn. Yes. So, as you listen to Lisa and I talking right now, none of this unlearning is hard. And absolutely, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Are you kidding me? Because you've been living like this since you were born for like 40, 50 years, right? But this uncomfortable absolutely doesn't mean it's wrong. There's a difference between discomfort and then just like following your, your instinct and knowing that it's going to be harmful, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up because I do think a lot of this work is deeply uncomfortable because we are unwinding stories that have been really deeply held. And not only are we the generation who lived through all of those different food fads, but think about who were the standards of beauty when we were in our early teens, right? Okay, so I think of Charlie's Angels. Mm -hmm. And I used to watch that show and my mom would come out and yell at me, turn, my mom's a real strong feminist, right? Turn that off. This is ridiculous. Watching these women running in high heels. Who can, no one can run up in high heels. <laughs> and they're not wearing any clothes and blah, 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 blah. And I wanted to be Farrah Fawcett. So for yeah. those of you who can't see me right now, I am a black woman with curly hair and almost black eyes. I wanted blue eyes and blonde hair. And I used to pin my blanket over my head and pretend I had, you know, feathered hair like Farrah Fawcett. That was my beauty standard. Mm-hmm. The beauty standards are, were impossible. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because one, none of it was real. Nope. Right. So for for me, like it was Linda Evangelista and Christy Turlington and all of the supermodels of the late nineties. Yeah. I actually just talking about this, I had a memory of deciding when I was like, ah, I want to say eleven or twelve that I wanted to be a model. And yeah. I wrote a letter to my friends saying, this is what I want to do. So if you see me eating this, make sure you call me out on it. If you see me doing this, make sure you call like make, because this is my goal. This is what I actually want. And I would like now <laughs> looking back on that girl, I just want to scoop her up and say, you were, you were perfect. Um, 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And the number of my clients right now who will tell me that their mothers used to take them to Weight Watchers meetings. Yeah. Um, you know, different, like different, I think Weight Watchers, and there was another one that somebody else said to me, I'd never heard of it. It was somewhere in the States. It was also okay. very popular at the time. And then one of my clients, her mother put her daughter on a diet at 10. Yes. And then we wonder why we have such a difficult time. Yeah. And it's not, you know, if there's one thing that you guys who are listening right now, if you forget everything that we're saying, and please don't, because it's a great conversation, is... <clears throat> Is the one thing, okay, now I forgot what I was going to say. Fuck, it was so profound that I forgot it. It's going to come back around. Oh my <laughs> God. That's hilarious. You got to keep this in so everybody can laugh with me. See? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When the neuroreceptors start like firing again, it's going to come back around. It's going to happen. I know it. That is hilarious. It was a good thought though, but I, any good. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question that maybe will lead you back to it. So you made a post last week about the 1200 calories, calories oh, yeah. in and calories out. And I think that that is such an important part of this conversation because it's the foundation of all of this misunderstanding about how food actually works in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, oh my God, I forget her name now. Doctor, there's a doctor. I'll remember her name. I can look it up. So back in 1918, near the end of the first world war, there was a doctor who wrote a book. Um, I think it was health and weight or something like that. And, um, she had, so at the time it was very much like wearing corsets and big bosoms and they were getting away from that. The trend was more thin women. 
right? So the way to do that was like, if you calculated it properly, it came up to 1200 calories a day. And so again, I don't know where that calculation came from, but this is what this doctor created. So this is 1918. So it's well over a hundred years and diets like Noom and all kinds of them are still telling people 1200 calories a day. So there's something called your basal metabolic rate, which is the amount of calories you need just to breathe and live and function for your organs to function, for you to literally just have enough energy to get up from bed and go to the bathroom and go back to bed, right? And for most people, not saying all, but the average person, say the average person's like five, seven or something like that, X number of pounds, I don't know, 1200 calories is the amount of calories you need just to function. Then you add on, oh, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to do dishes. And the thing that people forget is like calories are merely just a measurement of energy, right? We get energy from food. So how do you exercise, expect to function, think, have patience, do all of these things if you don't have any energy because you haven't consumed any calories, right? So Uh the more you exert yourself, you need more calories because you need the energy to do the thing. But people are so afraid. And the thing is, is that, you know, because again, I'm a personal trainer by trade, we were always taught calories in, calories out. Weight loss is very simple. You just burn more calories than you take in or vice versa. Well, menopause really changes the game with that. Again, guys, because your hormones are changing, you can't use the same logic as before. You really have to focus on getting enough protein and fiber and healthy fats. And when you say that, people are like, but isn't that high caloric? Yeah. Are you lying in bed doing nothing? Because you also have to strength train. I mean, not have to, you don't have to do anything, but really, if you want to properly support everything that's happening, please strength train two to three times a week. Please also focus on stress reduction. Please move your body every day. And so that's like taking walks in nature and doing yoga and all these other things, right? You're not just going to be sitting on your couch doing nothing. And then when you do that, the amount of calories that you take in, the food that you take in actually does the job it's supposed to do because you're also not obsessed over weighing your food, tracking, because um, one of the biggest, let's say, enemies of looking for, and when I say, I shouldn't say weight loss because people are really looking for fat loss. Anybody can lose weight. Go on a diet and you're going to lose weight. Ozempic, for example, I don't know if you know this, but Ozempic eats up about 40% of your muscle mass. Okay. Yeah. I like say that again, because I think it's so important because Ozempic is becoming so prolific. We are watching it literally like eat people alive. And when you say that, that's what it is. And in a time like during menopause, when our muscle is decrease is, is decreasing anyway. Yes. Significantly adding in Ozempic is like disastrous for your body. If you can speak to that a little more, because I think that that's so key. Yeah. So, you know, leading up to to menopause by the age of 30, you're losing about, you know, um, five to, I think it's anywhere between five to 8% of our muscle mass per decade. Once we hit menopause, it's five to 8% per year, like a significant decline. I have been lifting heavy for, I would say, 20 years consistently. And even I have noticed. So yes, I've gained weight, but I've noticed. And now I am stronger than I ever have, 
right? But even I have noticed it. So think about it that way. And I'm not saying, well, then why should I bother? Because I'm going to lose it anyways. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that because we also know that when if we have low muscle, you are just an injury waiting to happen because we're also a significant increase of developing osteoporosis. So you slip and fall. And I can't remember what the stat is, but I think it's like 50% um, chance of dying a, a year after uh, breaking your hip, right? Because what happens when people break a hip? Well, a lot of them don't do the physio that they're supposed to. They move less. So their muscle loss even becomes even faster, right? And then the, the, the next thing that happens is either it's a metabolic disorder or they slip again. and they So it just becomes this vicious cycle. So you don't want to slip and break anything. Okay? And so, but when we have celebrities glorifying weight loss medication, like Ozempic, for example, um, even they have all of the tools, they've got a personal trainer, they've got a this and that, and they've got all the things. That's not the messaging you're hearing. All the messaging you're hearing is thinness is better. Thinness is health. And we know that a lot of people, a lot of those celebrities that we look at are thin. We know just from watching the history of their lives on TV that they're not well. A lot of them have mental health issues. A lot of them have other things going on. But, but, but let's glorify them because they've lost 50 pounds and they've lost the majority of muscle. Mm -hmm. Really messed up. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's also, it's going, it's going back again to that disconnection from our body mm. and this idea that the only thing that gives us value actually is to be smaller and to take up less space. Yes. And so if I'm taking up less space in the world, I should not even be in this body that is taking up any space at all. And it is that disconnection from our subconscious mind, like going back to what you're talking about earlier around the calories that it takes just to function our system. And that is something that people just don't think about because it happens at the subconscious level. So we yeah. don't, and when we're not living in our bodies, it's a lot easier to not notice our heart rate, how we breathe, what our, what good digestion feels like, yes. because when you are living in your body, you feel those things. You feel what good digestion feels like. Yeah. 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 You feel what good breathing feels like. So like, as an example, this morning, I was feeling, I've been doing a weight training program, but this morning I just was feeling really, really anxious mm -hmm. and I needed to move that through my body. So I got on the bike yeah. and, uh, and I really raised my heart rate and I really sweat it out. And I, that process was yes, good for my body. Mm -hmm. And I could feel how those lower resonance emotions were moving through and out. Good. And that's the thing that we also don't talk about is right. Like it's energy expensive when we hold all of this anxiety, fear, pain, grief, Holding all of that toxicity in your body takes a massive amount of energy. Yeah. But then you might think people will say, well, if it takes up all this energy, shouldn't I be burning calories? I could, I could just imagine what you're saying that that's some, but that right. is where we go because yeah. we're so obsessed with weight loss. But let me just say something when you diet and over exercise, and I think I tried to say this earlier. Now, this wasn't the thought that I was thinking. It was something else. <laughs> But when we're talking about weight loss, cortisol is the enemy. 
Yes. Cortisol is our main stress hormone, right? And so we need cortisol. It's not a bad hormone. We need cortisol. We do need it to help us, you know, run away from getting hit by a car or like if someone's going to come attack us on the street, we need Mm -hmm. that. But we don't want a consistent high levels all the time. But because our hormones are going all over the place, we can't manage cortisol levels as well. Well, studies have also shown that when you diet and you overexercise, you actually cause cortisol to increase. And that is the last thing you want in perimenopause. If mm-hmm. anything, you want to bring it down. So dieting and overexercising can actually cause you to gain weight. And I've seen it multiple, multiple, multiple times. Yes. Again, our brains are like, but I just need to exercise. I need to be more disciplined. And when I say to people, you need to stop telling yourself that you got to do more. Mm-hmm. Right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with you. You don't have to be more disciplined, more careful, more, more, more. If anything, you need to take take a step back and breathe. And like yeah. you said, like get in tune with your body. Actually, listen to it. If you're exhausted, why the hell are you going for a workout? Go take a nap. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And if you're hungry, eat. Eat. Oh, what a concept. Eat. Eat good food. <laughs> eat good. Eat food. And again, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. I'm sure, sure I have a sweet every once in a while, whatever. But if you get to the point and you can say to yourself, again, awareness is key. I'm always going to quote Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. And you say that every time you have something that's sugary or whatever, and you feel like shit after, right? If you're aware of that in the beginning. So I say this to my clients. If you're going to have the thing, say to yourself, am I going to eat this? Is it really worth me feeling like shit later? And if you're, if it's, and say it's like a really traumatic time in your life and then you go, yep, it is worth it. Okay. Then eat the thing. You're just not allowed to judge yourself after and beat yourself up over it. But if you're doing it just out of habit, boredom, whatever, catch yourself and say, okay, hmm, what can I have instead of that's not going to make me feel like shit, but it's still good, right? It will, it'll, it'll satiate me and I'll still have energy. What could I do instead? Yeah. Right? If you're not aware, like you said, you're not, you're so disconnected, then you're not going to. And then that also makes me think of women who are chronically tired all the time. They don't even know what well rested is like. They don't even know what it's like to like not drink an entire pot of coffee every morning. They don't mm. even know that because they're so used to it. Yes. And that, uh, that again, it goes back to the, some of the issues of what the calls of success are for our generation. Mm. And it's, if you are tired all the time and you are exhausted always, then you are doing a good job. Right. Because yeah, I (laughs) exactly. And I have, I've talked about this on my show a couple of times, but when I first left teaching, I, it it took a couple of months to get to this point, Mm -hmm. but I didn't even realize how much energy it was taking for me to just get out the door Mm. and then, and then do the day and come home and do all the rest of the things until I stepped away from it and realized just what that exhaustion actually felt like, because I was so numb and so convinced that being exhausted and like abandoning my own physical needs was what was making me good yep at what i did that that's why i'm a, i have a big problem now with this whole hustle culture and especially this boss babe mentality yes 
right? Like I'm really having a difficult time with it. And I didn't really open my eyes up to it until about a year and a half ago when my best friend said it to me as well. And it's all around just do more. Come on, hustle. You can do it because we're trying to prove something. What are you trying to prove? How fast you can burn yourself out and give yourself a heart attack and go on medication. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's, it's, it's not coincidental that women going through perimenopause have higher rates of depression are on, you know, are, are um, diagnosed pre-diabetic, have metabolic disorder, and are quitting their jobs, right? Mm-hmm. But yes. And, and at the same time, you know, people will say, well, how do we, how do we change that? Well, we talk about it now, but I feel like the generation behind us, they have to do a lot of unlearning first before they're even going to listen to what we're saying, because mm-hmm. they're still hustling and, and especially in Instagram, right? Like I'm on Instagram I, I, yeah. because I'm spreading my message, but it is so toxic. Like it's, it's so, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, one thing I do regularly, as soon as something comes up on my feed, especially a reel, cause I love watching reels. They're so fun. I put that, I, I, I like not interested, not interested, not interested. And so I think that's very important too, for your listeners. Like if you find, if there's any account that you're on, that makes you question at all your size, the way you are, your, I don't care, whatever, that you're not working hard enough, that you start like having to second guess yourself. That is your big, that's your red flag. You need to unfollow that account. Even if it's somebody who's a friend of yours, because I've done it. Mm -hmm. Colleagues of mine, quote unquote friends. They're not really friends. Come on. We all know. Um, I remember being 20, maybe 19 or 20. And I had a breakup with my best friend. It was the most devastating to this day. I'll say it was the hardest thing I've ever done aside from like, like harder than breaking up with boyfriends. And I remember my father saying to me, you're lucky if you go through life having one friend. He goes, you can have lots of people you socialize with. You think they're fun, but a friend, a friend, like that's a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, especially in menopause, like my, my, uh, my naturopath calls estrogen, the polite hormone. And when it starts to decline, we no longer give a fuck. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. yeah, really ask yourself, like, is it, is it all worth it? And no. And so even if you're worried that your friend might get offended that you unfollow them, that's on them. That's nothing to do with you. Yes. It's nothing to do with you. You got to be true to you. And if your, your people aren't making you feel good or making second guessing yourself or or only celebrating when you've lost weight, which is a whole other thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. That's when you really kind of say, okay, well, like you said, how do I want the last 10 years of my life to be? We'll start doing that work now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up relationships because at this time, so much of the, so much of our identity is shifting and changing and all of the roles that we played, right? So for many of us, if we have had children along the way, it's the empty nest time and kids are leaving. And so the social structures that we had in place around our kids and the humans that we interacted at that time are ending. And so often those relationships go too, because maybe you wouldn't have had any, you wouldn't have interacted with those people if you weren't in that space and they are actually not your people. But it is this really turbulent time of figuring out what is my role now? 
who do I want around me? And again, it goes back to that really paying attention to what your body's telling you. Like Mm -hmm. when you are with someone, do you feel good? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, yeah, like this is a reciprocal place? Yes. Thank you. Yes. This is a reciprocal place that feels good for both of us. Mm -hmm. And it can be painful. I know I have lost, especially leaving the education world in the, I have lost a ton of relationships in that transition. And the people who have come with me are the ones who always, who I have that reciprocalness with yeah, and isn't transactional. Oh God. Yes. Yes. Right. Say that again. Louder for the people in the back. (laughs) That relationships are reciprocal and not transactional. My work here is done. Bye. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. But I don't want to say, but, and And. women are historically just people pleasers. We don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And what I always say is women are great for being there. They're great. um, What's the word? Accountability partners, but they suck at asking for help. Yes. Because we feel like we should be able to do it all on our own. And if we don't, we're somehow a failure, right? Like when I think about my coaching business, I'm sure you get this too, right? Well, you know, Sam, I mean, I know everything to do. I know I should be there. I know I know. Okay. But why is it that you're doing it? Because all of the shit between our ears and the mental load that women carry every single 24 seven, you know, when they go to bed, the, the, all the voices in their head and the list and oh my God, and I should have done this. And I can't believe I forgot that and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they wake up, they're waking up with anxiety and heart palpitations because, oh my God, I got to do this thing. Is it where their partner, if he's a man is usually restfully snoring right beside you, not stressing about the kids have to do this. And then I did, did make an appointment for that. And they're just like, Oh, it's fine. Right. Yeah. So there's that too. But you know, when I, um, specifically talking more about perimenopause, you know, when women will reach out to me and they'll say, you know, I'm not quite sure. Like I still have a regular cycle and blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, but then they'll say, but like, I just feel I'm more irritable and I just can't, like, I just can't manage anymore. And I really just want to beat my children at the same time, hug them. Yeah. Like <laughs> I want, again, I want to, it kind of goes back to postpartum, right? Like I remember postpartum getting up every three hours and shuffling down, you know, the hallway to pick up my daughter to nurse her who was, and she was also, um, uh, oh my God. Uh, what do you call it? When they have the yellow eyes and the yellow skin. Oh, jaundice. She was very jaundice. Yeah. And my husband coming to support me and sleeping on the floor beside me. Yeah. And I'd want to kick him in his head. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I understand you're here for support, but you snoring at my feet where I'm trying to get a screaming jaundice baby to latch yeah. is not helpful. Right. So with menopause, we've got all of this mental load. Our hormones are raging. We wake up in the night. We're snoring. We're, we're sweating. Our husbands are like, I understand snore, snore, snore. It's really not helpful. Right. But at the same time though, we feel like, we can't ask for help, even though we did ask for help. There's a difference in postpartum with postpartum. We're prepared for pregnancy, even though not every woman's going to have a baby. We have all kinds of support systems when we have our baby postpartum, even though we have all support systems, we still feel isolated. Yeah. 
But then we go through menopause and we feel like we should figure this out alone. And we're not going to ask for help because I know what to do, Sam. I'm just going to start again on Monday and I'm going to start tracking my food or whatever kind of story they told themselves that this time it's going to be different. And one thing, um, and I don't know what, um, cause I know you've taken some menopause education as well. But yeah. The last course I taught is actually recommended now that women in menopause get life coaches. No yes. effing kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Your life is like being thrown upside down all side and you're supposed yeah. to be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. One. I know. And when you're going to a variety of different healthcare providers, I will say, so full disclosure, this is one of my like biggest pet peeves. Mm-hmm. People are going to all of these different healthcare providers, getting all of these different recommendations and things that they should do. And then they don't implement anything because it's completely overwhelming. They have all this information, but they don't know how to create sustainable change. Yes. And they're talking to me about this problem. And I'm sitting there going, well, like that's literally my job, right? You understand that? Yes. That is what I do. I help you translate that information and actually make sustainable change in your life so that you feel better. But go ahead, go on, sister. Go on. Keep, keep going. The last client I signed up, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and she said to me, she goes, I'm really great at collecting information. She goes, I'm really good at it. So yes. I, I giggled and I was like, thank you for actually admitting that. Mm-hmm. Goes, oh, I sign up for everything. She goes, I've got an entire folder in my computer of all the things, the free lists and the that. She goes, I have done fuck all. I think those were her words, right? Yeah. She goes, because yeah, when you're overwhelmed, how do you know which step to take first? Yes. Right now, having said that though, guys, it's not rocket science. Literally, you could take a step tomorrow. Like I'm just going to decide to go to bed 30 minutes earlier. Yes. It can be that simple. Again, though, because we are fed this idea that you can easily drop towns in thir- uh, 10 pounds in 30 days. It's easy. It's easy. You just have to do this and you just got to do that, which is usually from mostly people who are 10 or 15 years younger than you. So what business do they have? Like, even if with all the education, honestly, guys, I also believe somebody who's actually gone through it as well. We have an extra level of um, of education that people younger than us don't have. It's just like, you know, having a male gynecologist over a female one. Again, not being sexist, but kind of, right? Yeah. So there is know. something key in lived experience. Totally. 100%. Yes. Because you don't want to be talking to this person who's got all of these certifications. Again, my fingers are up in air quotes. But then you ask them something, go, do you understand what I mean? And they're like, yeah, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really comforting and, and having someone who can validate that experience because they've lived through it too. And they yeah. Go, yeah, I totally get it. Like I hate when I, you know, for me, so um, another thing with black and brown people is we can have a very different lived experience when it comes to menopause and symptoms. So I've never had a hot flash or a night sweat and I'm going to touch wood, even though statistically mm-hmm. um, black women do have more incidences of uh, hot flashes. My, my symptoms though, are my ears are so itchy. I could literally stick knives inside my ear canals and rip them out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I feel like I'm allergic to air. So this was one of the things that happened in the last year of COVID. So, um, I got a puppy Now I didn't get a COVID puppy. We got it the summer. Like we got it the summer before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Both of my dogs are hyperallergenic. 
Mm -hmm. So, but again, even hypoallergenic doesn't mean a hundred percent. Like I think you could still like 10% of people. Well, of course I'm one of those 10%. Ha ha ha. And, but you know, I'm only bad if like I, I pet them and I rub my eyes and my eyes will swell up, but generally I'm very good. Well, every day in the morning I'm waking up, I'm sneezing. My eyes are weeping. My nose is full of like, I'm blowing my nose 20 times every morning. I'm having sneezing attacks. It's the middle of winter. And I'm like, Am I allergic to winter? Should I just move to the Caribbean? There you go. Like, yeah. what is happening? And it wasn't until I talked to my naturopath, she goes, oh, absolutely. Your histamine response, because hormones control everything. Yes. Everything, right? So when they're mm-hmm. off, things just start happening. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? So now I'm allergic to air. I'm allergic to my house. I'm allergic to snow. It doesn't matter where I go. I'm sneezing all the time. I'm on antihistamines, right? My ears. It's unreal. And yeah. so, so people don't understand this. And of course, if you're not getting the information then you just think you're crazy and then you just start living on medication, right? Yes. And so yeah. this stuff can really, um, and I, I really want to be conscious of people who do struggle with mental health issues, but the, the, the comment I get a lot is I feel like I'm going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're yes. not, it's just that the information isn't there. The, the, the healthcare is not there. They blow you off. They say you're too young. Oh, it couldn't be that. It's yes. environmental, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so one, I share the itchy ear situation. It's the, like, I just, I can't, it, it is a constant distraction. The itchiness of my ears constantly. Yeah. All the time. And again, the lived reality component is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I was watching the CBC documentary that you were in that was talking about how menopause is having a moment. Oh, the national. Which, yeah. Yes. The national, which it is. And the women, it's mostly women who look like me. And there are issues around that. Like I can use my voice in the way that I can mm-hmm. to bring awareness to it. But I know that I have not had the same experience and menopause impacts communities of color, um, transgendered women, all the full spectrum. Yeah. And that community needs to be represented in this work as well. One. And thank you so much for saying that. I actually just got chills when you said that. That's so important. Um, You know, it, and at the same time, I mean, I, I posted something on my Instagram. It was like late last year. It was like, how come like all the voices or most of the voices are talking about menopause are white women, mm-hmm. right? Getting people to think and understand because we also know, um, well, the black community knows this and the brown community that racial um, medical racism is very rampant. It's very real. This whole idea that black women are stronger, they're tougher. We can tolerate pain better and all that stuff. So a lot of our experiences and um, on our symptoms, we go to our doctors are not well acknowledged or recognized ge- in general, forget mm-hmm. about menopause, forget about menopause, right? And they're fluffed off. So then we come to this space of menopause where we really feel like we're losing control and then we're really not taken seriously. And so it's a problem where in that menopause in itself is so under-researched, so under-researched. So I do appreciate that our generation that we are watching things start to change, but at the same time, we're kind of the guinea pigs, mm-hmm. right? We are like, yes. we're all kind of tried, tested and seeing, does this work? I don't know. Does that work? I don't know. Like, let's try this. Let's try that. Right. 
but especially for the more racialized communities like black, brown, indigenous, trans, these places are really, really, really struggling. Um, there was actually a post on a, a popular, I'm not going to say that the feed, um, a popular menopause um, feed, and it showed a trans woman up as one of their experts talking about a topic. And you got some people saying yay and other people going, I can't believe it. Is that a dude? And are you going to do this? And how could you have somebody else talking, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait. And then, and then a famous menopause doctor expert also said, you know, I'd like to see more diversity. And I was like, well, aren't trans more diverse? They also deserve to be yes. acknowledged, validated and supported. Right. So we can't a hundred percent. It's like this whole, I don't know if you're seeing this, right? But this whole feminist movement that's going around, right? If you're a feminist, that means all women, yes. all women, yes. women who look like you, then you're not being, a, you're not being, you're not being a, well, actually then, and you know, I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this and it might be uncomfortable for some people in here, but white feminism can be very, very dangerous for the fact that all it does is talk about women who look just like them. Right. Yes. And there's a whole entire world of other people, different ethnicities, ethnicities, cultures, races, all of these things. Right. That also have to be acknowledged. And so if we're going to say if we're going to be a feminist, we're going to say you've got all women. And that includes in the menopause space, because like I was saying earlier, you know, we're prepared for puberty. We're prepared for pregnancy. But not all women are going to have babies, but no one's preparing us for menopause. So we should take this opportunity as a collective to educate for every woman. Yes. Right. For every woman and to get and to translate our feminine wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's why white feminism can be so toxic because it's not actually grounded in feminine wisdom. It is internalized sexism of the white patriarchal structure. I love that you said that. Oh. Yay. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, 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 so I, I will be very honest and say that I fully experienced it, right? Like in my role, I was a leader in the board and I watched what you had to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. Again, using air quotes, I saw what you had to do to be a leader and you had to abandon what you knew to be your power as a collaborative leader yeah. Someone who leads with the heart, someone who looks at another person and says, tell me about your experience. Yes. That is what should be leading the conversation. Yeah. But there are very specific expectations and tropes around what you have to do. Yeah. And so white feminism often just becomes internalized again saying that internalized sexism where you show up as the white men that you see in those positions oh god that makes me think of like gynecologists like women female gynecologists because i'll have clients come to me going i'm so upset because my gynecologist blew me off and i thought she would know better and she would treat me better because she's a woman and i'm like well mm-hmm but right? she, yeah, because that is what she has been trained yep. and shown. And my guess is that any time that person tried to show another way was kicked in the teeth. Yeah. Shut down. And told to get back in line. Yeah. Yeah. And so it becomes very, very, it becomes a very powerful running motor in your chest. Of course. And it completely 
eliminates what we know to be true about what good leadership actually looks like. And it is circular. Mm -hmm. It's looking out at the entire community and saying, how do we make this a space that fits everybody who's here? Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I love that you said that. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for engaging in this conversation because it's um, not an easy one. No. And I will say Maisha T. Hill, who has Check Your Privilege on Instagram, is her account. She is the person I follow who keeps pushing me to think differently. And that's one of the places that like, we as white women leaders need to lean into is the things that make us really uncomfortable and make us think differently is exactly where we should be. So I am really grateful to her for her emotional labor that she puts into making spaces to make people like me think differently. Yeah. And that, but the fact that you're actually leaning into that and I so I can see on your face, it's, it's been challenging for you, but the fact that you're, but you're still doing the work. Mm -hmm. That's what this is all about for people who are listening, you know, Again, kind of going back to the menopause thing or, or, or getting a coach, like working with somebody like myself or Lisa or somebody else, there's going to be a lot of discomfort in that work because you are so programmed to think a certain way, do a certain thing. So when you get discomfort, you, you mistake it for it's the wrong thing. Actually, no, your brain has one job and that is to keep you safe and comfortable, right? So even if you don't feel good, you're unhealthy, you're not moving right? And Mm -hmm. and you don't like it. You know how to manage it. You've been doing okay so far, right? So what's another day? What's another week? You can start again next month. You can start after the summer, whatever stories you tell yourself, right? But understand that that comfort, that comfort is eventually going to bite you in the ass. And it does. And we're seeing that in our health. We're seeing that in the world, what's happening right now, social justice, all of it, right? And Mm -hmm. so you know, as Lisa said, there's a much bigger power higher than us. It's trying to keep us all in line. And so in order for us to change that, we're going to have to lean into these spaces heavily, deal with some serious discomfort, but know it is for the better for everybody collectively. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Thank you for your time and your wisdom today. That is the perfect, like, I just want that thought to just keep echoing through the minds of everyone who is listening today. Thank you so much for this conversation. Um, you and I could talk forever. No, this is great. And for those, and for those who are just listening, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if you're going to edit this out, but Lisa literally just reached out to me through mm-hmm. somebody like, this is like the good side of social media, a colleague, a mutual colleague. Um, you know, he's part of the LGBTQ community, connected her with me. And, you know, she just sent me a message, a a DM, and she's like, I'd love to have you on your podcast. I was like, sure, let's talk. And, and this is what community is about. Like you start getting aligned with the right people, right? Because a lot of people do ask me to be on their things. But if I look at them, and I'm like, "Mm, this is not good. This is not aligned. This is a choice I'm allowed to make. Yes. Just so like you are. So I am very appreciative for him putting us in touch. And um, this is great. I can't wait to see how our, our relationship continues to evolve. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. And for anyone who's listening, I will have all of Sam's links in the show notes. So if you want to get connected with her, that's the place to go. And uh, thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Lboat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. thought about starting your own podcast do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world well now it's easier than ever with electricast hi i'm mark netter and i'm peter rafelson we're the founders of electricast media whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one join electricast to grow your audience monetize your content and build your community with our simple sign up you get free promotion world-class analytics premium ads and personal support go to electricast.com and join our community today Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.